Welcome back, everybody. This is The Breakfast Show. You're listening to Lyle and Minnie. We're about to have an encounter with God, which means that we're getting into our 20 million movement Bible study. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. If you are uh, if you are wanting to get ahead of where we're up to, and we're about to have another... You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Anyway, time to go to uh, text messages and see what has come in while we have been waiting. Uh, yep, not that one. That one's spam. Okay, let me see here. What have we got? Um, amazing to hear our government has actually beaten Google. Took a leaf from the lead of Trump. Hopefully the world will follow. Well, I don't know that they're beaten yet. True. I think this is the first step in a very long battle, and I wouldn't call them beaten yet. Uh, but well, okay, <laughs> it's a start. It's a start. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked that the Australian government actually stood up to Google. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought absolutely. I was convinced. I was like, these guys. Of course, they'll buckle. Everybody buckles these days under everything. Mm. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly a company that has the power mm. that Google and Facebook have. Okay, uh, let me see here. In some church in Australia, the pastor has to ask the congregation to say amen or we'll never get one. (laughs) That's so true. (laughs) That's pretty sad. I'm sure you know what I mean. Believe me, I do know what you mean. And (laughs) it's interesting to travel around the world, Mm. to go to the different countries in the world uh, and to see the responses of congregations. Yeah. So the most lively congregations that I have ever preached to have been African-American congregations. Mm-hmm. And the encouragement that the audience gives you improves your presentation immeasurably. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's a little bit like that home ground advantage when you've got your home ground cheering for you. When you've got the congregation cheering for you, your level of presentation just goes through the roof. Well, you also know that they're listening, right? You do. <laughs> You're like, oh, there's some engagement advantage. here. <laughs> That's right. There's a huge engagement. And when the congregation is responding like that, mm. they're awake. Yes. They're alive, mm-hmm. you know, and they keep each other awake and they keep each other they keep each other alive. And, and what I find is that when I'm sitting in congregation and, you know, somebody, the preacher brings up a thought and, they, and, and you start to dwell on that thought in your mind mm-hmm. and sometimes the preacher can get a little bit ahead of you while you dwell on that thought and then somebody says amen, what it does, it snaps you back into the present yeah, and focuses you on what was just said, like, yeah, that was, that was a good thought too. And so you get much more out of it. So the sermon, the preacher will preach much better when there is interaction and you will get much more out of the sermon when others are interacting. And I think Australian church, this is just my theory from what I've seen, I think Australian churches are so far from that. Like we are very much programmed okay. non-response. They are not the worst. Oh, okay. Who's the worst? The worst ones I've ever been in uh, have been in the UK. I believe that. I yeah, haven't been I think, much in the think, UK. And but. I think mm. I think that's where we get yeah. our heritage <laughs> from. Yeah. I think that maybe the... The, 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 the Protestant heritage, maybe? Is it the Protestant heritage? Is it the Catholic heritage? I don't know which heritage it is, but there is a heritage there of you go to church and you sit silently, you listen to what mm. the preacher says, and then you go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, I like the lively churches. 
Um, I just this is a little side note. So I, as you guys may or may know, I'm studying primary teaching, and I was listening to a talk a little while ago. I've just bought this guy's book, one of his books, and he is an African American teacher. And one of the things that he asks his students when he's like teaching at I don't know whatever university he teaches at, he's like, seriously, go study black churches because they understand engagement. He's like, if you want to be a teacher, a good teacher, if you want to have that magic to engage people, learn to engage people, go to the places engagement is happening. And I was listening to it and it, you know, there's a few others, uh, other places he mentions where they do that well. But I was listening, I was like, this makes sense. This makes so much sense, you know, because as you said, you get someone to draw your attention back to what's happening, not just, and I can live in fairyland all day. So I need someone to like <laughs> constantly be bringing you back to the press. I'm like, oh yes, yes. And one of those ways is getting you to respond. Yes. Anyway, this is a little side note. There you go. Just food for thought. All right, very good. I think that was all of our technicians. Let me just take, check see here whether there's anything else. I think that's it. Uh, yep. Cool. All right. Let's uh, let's have more engagement. And if you are wanting more engagement in your local church, mm. be the person who breaks the bystander effect. <laughs> be that person. I, I used to have I used to have a friend who used to be one of these guys who would um, he, he had developed the fine art of finding a fault with everything in every sermon. <laughs> The fine art, okay. The fine art. Okay, yep. He could find a fault with every sermon. And often some of his faults were very valid. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a couple of crazy pastors that were in his church and and these guys would preach some pretty out there stuff and so he had some, some justification for this, right? Yeah. But even when he had the craziest pastor ever, uh, he went to church with the attitude of, in every sermon I'll find something to say amen to. Wow. You don't, expect that really from, cool. you don't expect that from the same guy who, no. who can find a fault in every sermon. Um, but he's like, I'm going there to church to receive a blessing. There is always going to be a blessing. There is going to be something from the Word of God that is going to be a blessing to me. And there is going to be something I can say amen to at some point, and I'm going to. Yes, that's awesome. I used to love preaching that guy's church because mm. I knew at some point there would be <laughs> someone who would say amen. <laughs> when I was at um, Arise, the Bible college thing I was at a few years ago, we had this guy in our class. He was awesome. And I can't remember where he was an African guy, but he's grown up in Australia. And it would be so good because every now and then you just get a, see it again. <laughs> 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 it was so good. Uh, dear. It is it's just fantastic stuff. All right, Isaiah chapter 40, let's start reading in verse 12, please, Minnie. All right, I'm going to say a prayer before we read as usual. Lord God, thank you again. Um, It's a new morning, your compassions are fresh, and we have your word again. I just thank you for our listeners. Thank you that we're here together as we read your word. God, give us your spirit. Um, Yeah, may we understand your truth and may we apply it in our lives today. Amen. Amen. Okay, so verse 12 in chapter 40 of Isaiah. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of, in, uh, uh, the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in a bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. 
The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes they count for less than nothing. Mere emptiness and forth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? How far am I going? I, I'm just sitting here enjoying it. Okay, should I keep going? This is this is this is it's really solid. This is really really amazing piece of poetry right oh, here. Oh yeah, I'll uh, just keep going. This is, yeah, why not? Okay. <laughs> okay, so verse nineteen: Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with a silver change? Or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words He gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below him seem like grasshoppers. He spreads out the curtains, like uh, the heavens like a curtain, and makes tents for them. Look. Yeah, just amazing stuff. Oh, sits yeah. above the circle of the earth. Mm. There you go. The Bible says the earth was round. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. What does this passage remind you of in the Bible? Mm. There's another part of the Bible this I'm reminds me of. I'm thinking of Joe. Absolutely. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah I was yeah, like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if that's where you're going. but That's, that's where I'd go. That's oh, where absolutely. I'd go. You know, those last chapters of Job, mm. where Job has been trying to figure everything out, you know? Yes. And his mates have been, well, his not mates, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> his useless <laughs> mates have been trying to tell him how much of a sinner he is. And he's like, no, I'm under grace. Yeah. You know, I'm a, I'm a sinner for sure, but I'm a sinner saved under grace, and mm. this is this is not the issue. And been trying to figure this, figure all of this stuff out, and God's like, okay, you think you're so smart? Mm-hmm. What about this? Let me question you. <laughs> Let's just have a chat. <laughs> uh, let me ask you a few questions. Where 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 did, where did this come from? Where did that come from? And Job was a smart man. Mm. You know, he was he was the wealthiest man of the east. The Bible says we That's don't know right. exactly where that was, the land of Uz, but he was. You know, probably one of the wealthiest men in the world at that particular point in time, and you don't become that wealthy unless you are a very, very intelligent person. Mm. Um, so he's a very, very intelligent person. He's at the top of his game. All these terrible calamities happen to him, and you know he's trying to get it all figured out. And God's like, "Okay, you, you think you're smart, right? <laughs> all right? Let's 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 ask a few questions here." Uh-huh. All right, so let's go back to the beginning of this passage that we're looking at. And when you look at Isaiah chapter 40, really in many many ways what you've got is you've got this blending of themes Mm -hmm. where you've got the theme of God's mercy, which we read about where he's comforting his people and so forth in the first few verses, blended with the theme of his power. Yes. Yes. Now, when you put those two things together, that becomes truly amazing mm-hmm. because now you've got unlimited mercy with the power to be able to be that merciful. Yes, fully. Uh, we don't, as human beings, have that kind of power. We think we do, but we kind of don't. Not we like to think all. that, yeah, no, I'm a merciful person. But then change the circumstances a little bit and suddenly, well, all that mercy goes out the window. It's like, no, I want revenge and I want it right now. And that can very, very easily drive our human nature. And without the power of God in our lives, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have the power to overcome these things. Mm. God does. And I think it's interesting because God is someone who, you know, this kind of passage we're reading, my title in my boss is The Lord Has No Equal. God is someone who, if he so desired, 
has the authority to not be merciful. That's Does right. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. we just kind of human nature. We're just like, no, I feel, you know, like that you've done wrong by me or whatever. And I think we also see, this is a little side note, but when we talk about who God is and we see that in Jesus, I love the gospels. Like I just think they're an incredible picture. I think we do ourselves and our picture of God a disservice when we, we take that humanity, the beautiful side of, you know, Jesus on earth, and we separate it from the divinity of Christ that you specifically see, I find, in Revelation, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what you see. You know, he's this king who's coming. He's got that power. And we go, oh, it's just the the beauty of Jesus. Yeah, it is, but he's he's still king, man. Like, mm-hmm. let's – and I forget that. I'm like, yeah, this, this is the God I serve because I think we like to – I think – in our human minds, we actually find it really hard to reconcile that, that you can be both that merciful and that powerful because we're like, oh, but surely. I'm like, no, we're thinking in human terms. That's right. <laughs> yeah, if I had that kind of power, it would be a scary place. Oh, yeah. You know, it it's, would just. It's great none of us are God. <laughs> it's such a blessing we don't have it. All right. Um, oh, text message coming through here about um, audience participation. Oh, yeah. Some pastors actually get very annoyed by people who try to participate. That's also true. That is a good point. It's kind of, it's rare, Mm. to be honest. I hang around with a lot of pastors and it's rare. And it comes from a place of, just my opinion, Mm. insecurity. It's like I've got this presentation of this is what I need to communicate. Don't distract me from it. Right. Um, And... Yeah, mm, anyway, it is what it is. I would say that regardless of whether people get annoyed by it, get out there, be the bystander who breaks the bystander effect because what will happen is when you say amen, it will highlight the truth that has just been presented by the speaker Mm. and it will highlight it to the rest of the congregation and it will impress it more deeply upon their minds. And so you can, by simply saying amen, you can repeat in people's minds what the presenter has just presented. Yeah, yes. The message, the truth, whatever it is, um, is repeated and it's magnified when you say amen or, you know, something similar, whatever it is that uh, that you like to say. I think amen is the most common one because um, it simply means, you know, I agree, so let it be. Mm. Um, And that is different too. (laughs) You just reminded me when you said that. There is a difference too. I remember I was in a church and there was a person who, when they had a difference of opinion or they wanted to expand a thought, they would just kind of shout it out in the middle. And I can see how that can be very distracting. Absolutely. And I'm like that. Oh, absolutely. It's It's not your presentation. It's not your sermon. Yeah. I'm like, that is a different thing to just like an amen or a, you know, you can have participation without having to be like, let us just be a discussion right now. Now, unless I've also been part of, you know, services where the pastor specifically wants it to be more of a discussion. That's right. You know. But and if the pastor stands up the front and says, we're going to have a Bible study today, mm. fine, go for it. Yeah. Get in there, participate, your heart's content. Yeah. Uh, if uh, if the pastor calls for interaction, mm. follow his lead on that. Absolutely. And if he doesn't, just, you know, an amen here and there is going to add value to the sermon. Mm. Um, so, you know, just, I think, pick your battles on this one. Yeah. Just imagine if you were the one who was the one speaking and presenting, how would it feel if you had some and engagement even, and, even, and even when the pastor says, we're going to have a Bible study today, so let's have lots of interaction. And mm. I love those kind of sermons. They are just amazing. 
always remember that it is his presentation. Every now and then you'll get somebody who just gets started on a roll and starts talking and can't shut up. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like they just want to take over and, and that just gets everybody in the audience annoyed. And you can sometimes you know, just that's, forget that's where you're going. That's the kind of person that just goes on and 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 and uh, uh, doesn't doesn't want to uh, doesn't want to shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any more text messages? Or yeah. should we keep going? You heard my phone button. I did. Oh, I noticed <laughs> the slight distraction that you were like, "Where's my sentence going?" I'm okay, looking so at something else. Somebody, somebody was texting through that uh, somebody who that a pastor was preaching this time, and somebody you know said an amen. Um, and the pastor was so rude to them, the person got up and walked out. <gasps> oh. That's a bit cold. That is. Hectic. Ouch. Wow. Christians need to be Christians, you know. Hmm. Sad this that is, we're not great at doing thing, that. There's this basic thing called Christianity. Mm. <laughs> and this happened to a friend of mine who was actually not this exact thing. Um, yeah, so you can imagine how the congregation felt. I don't think they would have been inviting that preacher back again. But uh, a preacher friend of mine was preaching this last weekend and had a situation where there was a, there was a seeker there, mm. first time ever in church. Seeker was deeply impressed by the message and asking all kinds of questions at the end of it. And a uh, church member came and was just like super inappropriate. Oh, no. And rude. And it's just like, wow, you know, mm. really? We need to be Christians. Christians need to be Christians. Yeah. Christians need to be Christ-like. And this is something, though, it is, I want to comment on that. This is something that's really important, which I think we can forget, um, even if people make comments which are right. Maybe they are right. Maybe someone says something that is. There have been numerous times when I've been preaching, somebody's made a comment which has just been a blatant falsehood. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, either intentionally or unintentionally. Uh-huh. And you don't have to not be Christian about that. You can stand up the front and you can say, that's a fascinating thought. Have you ever considered, yes. you know, this passage of Scripture? That's right. Um, well, that's an interesting thought. This is where I was at. There's a multitude of ways of dealing with it without being... Uh, socially inept. <laughs> no, but absolutely. And the other thing is there are going to be times that people, you know, are maybe having a bit of a, I don't know what you want to call it. It's not always arrogance, but a heart of I'm right, you're wrong, who are making the comments. There are also people who are genuinely seeking and they're going, hold on, what about this? Yep. And I'm like, if you don't know people's journey, get to know them. Be like, hey, let's study this out. Do you want to talk about this some more? I've also met people who go to church for the purpose of finding out what the preacher's going to say wrong and then, you know, stand up the back and berate the preacher from the back. No, that's not appropriate. No, no, that's right. Yeah, that's not how it works. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. That was Sarah Groves with You Cannot Lose My Love. What an interesting discussion we've been having here about mm. audience participation in church. You know, we've had a few text messages come through, so send some through more. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. And, um, yeah, let us know. Do you like to participate in church or do you like a church that is just plain stone-cold silent? Mm. 
Mm. Maybe there are people out there who like that. I don't know. I've never really met somebody like that. Uh, I have heard people who have complained about the noise that children make in church. Oh, that kills me. And that generally gets one of my sternest rebukes going. A silent church Mm. where there is no noise of children is a church that has no future. That's right. None whatsoever. And uh, the noise of the noise that children makes in a church just brings joy to my heart because I'm like I am worshiping in a church that has a bright future to it. Mm, no, hundred percent. And we need to uh, we need to recognise that and celebrate that, and we need to you know give parents all the support and encouragement that we can to say okay, let's go to um, where did we get up to? Not far. I think we just came back to the start and we're just talking about. Let's just finish out okay. the chapter. Yep, nice. Wherever you got up to, just pick it up and start reading. <laughs> this is something that needs to be read on air. Yes. I'm just trying to remember where I got to. Okay, I think I was up to verse 23. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root. When he blows on them and they wither, the wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? O Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak, strength to the powerless. Even youths will become tired, uh, weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Interesting, um, that last line there. They will run and not grow weary. They will Mm. walk and not faint. I remember many, many, many years ago when I was a young person doing literature evangelism as as part of a team. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was like 18 of us and we would go out and sell Christian books door to door. Great fun. Mm-hmm. We would travel to all kinds of different places and have just amazing adventures. And um, I remember our um, group leader came to us one time and said, I'm going to give you teach you a new tip today mm-hmm. that is guaranteed to double your sales. And we're like, yeah, 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 yeah this is going to be great. This is going to be fantastic. What's this new tip? We're going to double our sales today. And he said, between houses, run. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I get it. Double sales could double houses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a very it's a very simple equation. Um, you know, it's a numbers game. You knock on twice as many doors, mm-hmm. you can have twice as many sales. So it says between houses, run. So, you know, there were a number of people who did that. I'm not a runner, so I didn't do that. Um, I always walked very fast. Mm. But um, there was some of the guys who were younger than me, there was some, some kids, you know, they were like 14 years old and could, you know, sell like hotcakes. Um, and, and they'd do it. They'd run between houses all day long. And uh, this was the verse that they claimed. They shall run and not be weary because, as they said, if you walk, you just get to uh, not faint. (laughs) That's all the reward is there for walking is Uh not fainting. (laughs) But if you run, you're not even going to get weary. (laughs) Yeah. So that was uh, that was the philosophy, and that was the verse that. Um, but this is quite a well-known verse, it is. right? It is, and I love reading these sorts of verses in their context. 
Oh, when you read that whole passage mm. together, the whole the whole poem, beginning yeah. from verse one right the way through to the end, that we've been working through is just amazing. And I love the way you know God says, "Haven't you heard? Hasn't anybody ever told you? Don't you know?" Mm. Yeah, <laughs> how did you miss this? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it's like this is the most obvious thing ever. Mm. Let me share with you the obvious. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like. Uh, Human beings today who do all kinds of research, and we talk about it from time to time, they do all kinds of research to find out the obvious. Mm, Yeah, true. You know, it's like, did you have to ask that question? Did you seriously not know that? I mean, (laughs) that's kind of how God's approaching us. What I love about it is it literally goes from this amazing how great God is. He sits above the earth. You know, he can bring the whole world to judgment. You know, he, if he wanted, he could just blow them away like chaff. And he's like, but you don't know that God sees your injustice? He, you don't know that he hears your cry? Like, mm. it's just a really interesting God. Just like, yeah, I am this big and I'm on your side. Like, why would you not claim that? It's an expression of God's power. Mm. And it's kind of like... I think as human beings, we look at God as being so big and so powerful and so far off. But the fact that he's so powerful means that he has the capacity to know and to understand us as an individual. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is what God is trying to communicate in this passage. He's saying, yeah, I am powerful. I can do this. I can do that. I can do the other. I can do all of these things. If I'm that powerful, do you think it's really that hard for me to build a connection with every individual <laughs> on earth? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Seriously. Yeah. Do you think that I, I'm like a man who gets tired and weary? He's like, no, I don't. I don't need to sleep. I can hear you when you call. <laughs> anyway, the Bible says that he sits on the circle of the earth. Mm. And so my flat earth friends will say that then the earth is a disc like a plate. And I'm like, well, if you're going to take everything the Bible says, purely literally, the Bible says it also has four corners. Mm, can't have a circle with four corners. That's right. <laughs> no, the Bible here is talking about the earth as a sphere, mm. a globe. And, of course, this was information that was known from a very, very long time ago. Yeah. And we still talk about the four corners of the earth. Mm, yeah. And... Uh, we still talk about the flatness of the earth at times and the flatness of the ocean and so forth. It's not flat. We all know that. We get that. We understand it. But that's the kind of language that we use. Mm. And God knew about it. When was this? 500 BC? Mm. 600 BC. 650 BC when Isaiah was writing. This is a long way back. I think we like to think that we're just very smart today. It's like we yeah, know we're things that no one else could possibly have ever known. And I'm like, well, actually, there's nothing super new under the sun, right? Now, obviously, yeah, there were times when this was not the belief, but, yeah, it's very naive. Well, it wasn't the belief outside of Israel. Yes, well, that's true. That's true. This was, I mean, well, there were places that had calculated the circumference of the earth, but very, very few. For the majority, they were ignorant of these facts, and the Bible knew it all the time. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And now it is time for... Question of the day. Okay, our question today is from a listener and they're asking, in Bible prophecy, 
If the dragon is Satan and one of the beasts is Papal Rome and 666 symbolises the Pope and the Antichrist represents the Papal power, what does the Bible say about what or who will be the false prophet? Okay, so we kind of don't need those other um, aspects there. We just need to find out. Really the question is what or who does the Bible say is the false prophet? Is the false prophet. That's, that's really the question that we're going to look at. So Revelation chapter 19 is where we're going to start. Revelation chapter 19 will give you four identifying marks of the false prophet. So let's look at them over here, Revelation chapter 19. The Bible says in verse 20, the beast was taken and with him, that's with the beast, the false prophet that did miracles before him. Okay, so here's what we've got so far. The false prophet does miracles and he does them in association with the beast. We clear on that so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good, good. All right, with which... So with those false prophets, with those miracles, I should say, with which, with the miracles, he deceives those who received the mark of the beast and those that worshipped his image. Mm. So let's summarise what we've got so far. He is working in unity with the beast. He does miracles before the beast. He uses those miracles to deceive into receiving the mark of the beast. Mm. And he uses those miracles to deceive into worshipping the image of the beast. There's your four identifying characteristics. Yeah. Okay, if you now go over to Revelation chapter... Where are we going? Where are we going? Chapter 13 and verse 11, the Bible says, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb and he spoke like a dragon. So we've got another beast right here, brother, another nation. The Bible goes on to say some interesting things about this particular nation. The Bible says in verse 14, watch this. He deceives those that live on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had to, power to do in the sight of the beast, mm -hmm. that they should make an image to the beast. Verse 16, he forces all small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right hand. Or the same, in the, same. It's exactly the same. Mm. It's exactly the same, 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 right there. So if you want to know the, who the false prophet is, the answer is very, very simple. The false prophet is the first beast of, sorry, the second beast of Revelation chapter 13. This, some people call it the land beast because mm -hmm. in Revelation 13 you've got one that comes from the sea, one that comes from the land. It's the land beast. The land beast and the false prophet, both of them exactly the same identity. A couple of other things they have in common. Uh, both of them are globalist in their outlook. So if you go over to Revelation chapter 16, I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. Mm. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go out to the kings of the earth, the political leaders of the world, and of the whole world, the Bible says, to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. So we know that the false prophet is globalist, has a globalist agenda of gathering the whole world together in rebellion against God. We also know that, much like the first beast, there is a religious component here. So the first beast is ridden by a woman, woman symbol of a church, beast symbol of a state, church yeah. and state together. This one is a prophet. That's also religious combined with state, religion and state combined together. There you go. There you have the identity to the false prophet. If you want to know more about it, just ask us right here, right now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.